afternoon. You're on the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman here, uh, Jeremy Alwood and Nalini Baruch with me today. Good to have your company. Uh, just news to hand, traffic-wise, in Auckland, a breakdown is blocking the two right lanes southbound after the Orham's Road overbridge before Hill Road. Uh, merge to the left with extra care and expect delays. That's uh, State Highway 1 and the Southern Motorway. And just an update for you here in Invercargill. Uh, there was a fire uh, and because of that, State Highway 1 was currently closed between Tweed and Ettrick Street. Uh, State Hi- Highway 1 there in Bacargo has now reopened after the earlier closure due to a fire. But news out late this afternoon, the uh, International Monetary Fund in its annual health check says New Zealand is living beyond its means. They said that New Zealand's management of the pandemic had been exemplary, but the economy had overheated because of the generous financial and monetary support. Also, avocados, kumara, potatoes, tomatoes, they're going up, up and up. Statistics NZ's food price index rose again, up 12.1% from a year earlier. Uh, the annual, uh, the April annual increase was 12.5%. Uh, and in the year to May, fruit and veggies alone increased uh, 18.4%. By 18.4%. So to decode this all for us, we have Mark Smith, the Senior Economist uh, at the ASB Bank. Kia ora, Mark. Are you there, Mark? Yes, I am. Kia ora. Yeah. Now, to the IMF first, living beyond our means. Can you explain this for us? Are you there, Mark? We will get Mark back uh, there uh, and uh, so he can uh, explain this for us. That news out the IMF uh, says that New Zealand is living beyond its means. But I want to sort of come first to the uh, price of produce. Now, Nalini, you'll be well versed in this. You work in the sector. Um, what does this mean for you? I think we talked about this um, last time I was on the panel and, I, and at that time I said exactly what I'm about to say, which is, yes, prices are increasing, but our cost of import has gone up quite considerably. So that is, that is without doubt, contributing to it. But also weather has contributed significantly to yeah. you know what is available on the market. And I always get annoyed when I hear people chasing things that are out of season, complaining that, you know, the cost of tomato is so expensive. Well, the tomatoes are out of season now. You know, they are bound to be expensive unless we start importing them in bulk and and helping with the price. But no, you're right. The the cost of things are going up and I can't see it. I can't see any any stop to it anytime okay. soon. Well, let's bring Mark back in. Kia ora, Mark. Kia ora. Ah, there we are. Right. Okay. So to the IMF, this was news out just, what, uh, 40 40 minutes or so ago. Uh, Their annual health check on this country, living beyond our means. Do you want to explain that for us? Yeah, essentially what we're doing is we've got a big credit card and we're running that to the max. If you look at a a metric of of sort of external deficits, our current account deficit at the moment is at 8.5% of GDP which is extremely large. So essentially we're spending 8.5% more than we're earning as a country. Um, we are going to return to some of the issues in this um, pretty significant IMF report tomorrow on the panel, um, but they also said uh, the slowing housing market and rising levels of debt arrears raise risks for the financial system. So they've noted that housing affordability was a continuing problem also, Mark? Yes, that, re- that remains an issue. 
It's been yeah. an issue for quite some time. Uh, now with house prices having come off their peaks of around, say, 20% or so, afford- affordability has increased somewhat, although mortgage rates are rising as well. So that's offsetting that to some extent. Okay, let's bring Jeremy in either on this or the food prices. <laughs> well, well, I guess my, the question kind of applies to both. I mean, when, when the IMF says we're living beyond our means, I mean, does that apply to us as individuals as mainly, or is it talking about a national debt, or is it both? It's more of as a country as a whole. So okay. essentially looking at those measures, if, if you boil it down, essentially, historically, where the issue has been, it's been households in general have tended to do that. Now the government are also disabling, so that's adding to the amount of disabling happening in the economy. So is there, I mean, is there an answer to that? Do, is, it, is it as simple as we've just got to cut back on government spending? That's one option, but that can actually help the economy further into recession, so mm. be very careful with that. But really it's an issue of, I suppose, cutting back and being more careful on your spending and also, if you can, looking at increasing income, which is much easier said than done at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, on that, and we might return to this uh, tomorrow, Mark, that includes, uh, and what they've said, the International Monetary Fund, they've revived their call for tax reform in this country. Yeah, again, that's a that's a very contentious issue at the moment. Um, New Zealand's tax system is probably skewed a bit differently from other tax systems in the OECD. How so? so well, capital isn't taxed as much in New Zealand as it is, say, in, in other jurisdictions. So that could be an option. But again, that's a political decision that, that will need to be made. Yeah. Nalini. Oh, hi, Mark. Do- when analysing our spending, does does the IMS actually dissect our spending to try and understand that maybe our credit card bills are high because um, the mortgage payments take most of the cash that comes into families' pockets and so their medical bills and the grocery bills have got to go onto their credit card bills and hence there's a blowout? They probably don't go into that much detail. They look at more of the, the overall measures. But yes, I mean, that's certainly a factor at the moment. You know, households are really buckling under a, a very excessive, a very high cost of living. Uh, as you alluded to before, food price inflation remains mm. extremely elevated. So and that's hurting households. Sorry, so it's not just that we're living beyond our means because we're greedy, but it could possibly be that that is the only option left for us. Yes, that could well be the case. Um, yeah. I mean, some families will be really hit by this, Mark, right? Um, it seems to be that we always talk about it, don't we? Uh, with everybody we come across, everything is more expensive. In a way, there are fewer places to hide, if you like. Uh, yes, there is. If you look in terms of consumer prices, uh, what we have seen is very high food prices, high uh, construction costs, high rent. A number of areas have been really quite elevated. Probably the encouraging thing from today's report was signs that grocery food prices haven't really moved up and they're certainly flatlining. Okay. And if you look further ahead at global commodity food prices, they're coming off. So in time, that will hopefully lead to lower food retail prices here in New Zealand. And you mentioned the income disparity and... Um, I mean, obviously, this stuff is contentious, particularly because we're in an election year. Um, but, I mean, is there any sign that, that income New Zealand in, within New Zealand is likely to go up at any time? Uh, the thing is, incomes in New Zealand have been going up mm. pretty well, but unfortunately they've been offset by a very high cost of living. 
And now New Zealand is not, not the only one really suffering from a very high cost of living. So we're certainly not alone in that regard. So what's happening here has pretty much been repeated across the world as well. Also, Mark, uh, can I just bring in, the, 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 there's another aspect of this, this talked a little bit about uh, on Morning Report, we've talked about early on the panel as well, and that is the, a record migration boom underway, you know, excluding those early pandemic months, uh, a net 73,000 flowed into the year to April. That's about a that's about a 1.4% boost to the population. Um, what will that mean for the country? Well, it probably does two things. One is it's obviously more people here will boost the demand for goods and services, so that's a real real positive. And probably the thing that we're really keen on is how much more that would add to how much the labour market can produce. Um, what, what's really happened in New Zealand as well as the rest of the world has been the, the lockdowns that we have with COVID. What they really unearthed was quite extreme labour shortages in a in number of sectors. Now, hopefully the increased migration and we've seen numbers of work permits had around 60,000 in the last 12 months, which is a record high. So hopefully that will go through in terms of boosting labour market capacity. All right, very good. Thank you for being with us. That's Mark Smith, Senior Economist uh, from the ASB Bank. Have you found it, have you noticed um, in your, your, your weekly fortnightly shop, we, we, we talked about that the, the, the other day, we shop on a Sunday and we go, oh my gosh. It's yeah, just everything. I have noticed. I mean, I, this is the most careful I've ever been about yeah. look at buying groceries in my life. You know, I, I've, is that I've, right? I've lived through several of these reports about food prices going up, and I, either I just didn't really care or I didn't really notice. You really, yeah, you really feel you really it. You really do eh? notice it now. Yeah, I mean, even if you do a you do a small shop, you know, a basket rather than a trolley, and you know, it's still in in the three figure range, and you're going, wow. What are, I'm checking receipts mm. going, did I get yeah. charged wrong? Did I read a price wrong? But no, it is just the price. I was really I was really pleased Mark made the point several times, though, that this is not, a, a, you know, we're in no way unique on this. This mm. is a global issue because, again, in an election year, there's, there's a lot of finger pointing going on, going, oh, this is because of the Labour government or this is because of previous national policies. But this is a global, you know, it's a global issue. Cost of living has gone up. And, and like Lily said, um, things like weather have played a, a huge part. Very good. 18 past four, the panel RNZ National. Uh, and just to that um, uh, news uh, breakdown blocking the two right lanes southbound after the Orham's Road overbridge before Hill Road. That's uh, State Highway 1 Southern Motorway. That is if you're driving uh, in Tamaki Makoto this afternoon. Now to this, RNZ has appointed a group of experts to carry out an investigation over how pro-Russian edits were inserted into international stories online. Other edits relate to Israel, Syria and Taiwan. An RNZ digital journalist has been placed on leave after it came to light he had changed stories on the war in Ukraine. 21 stories from news agency Reuters. One BBC item have so far been uh, found to be inappropriately edited and have been corrected. So, media law expert Willie Akel will chair a three-person panel with public law expert and former journalist Linda Clark and former director of editorial standards at the ABC, Alan Sunderland. Uh, to look over this, we have Dr. Maya uh, Mililati, who is the co-director of uh, at the AUT Research Centre for Journalism, Media and Democracy, and was one of the co-authors of the annual AUT Trust in Journalism 
report. Kia ora, welcome to the panel. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Pretty high-powered panel there, uh, Dr. Milarati. Yes, it sounds uh, really promising. There are good, you know, figures. There are, uh, you know, looks like a robust uh, trio. So um, I'm, I'm sure that they do a good job. Um, yeah, should be. Um, yeah, uh, they, they all experienced, uh, high-level experienced uh, people. So um, good panel. Before we get to these terms of reference, uh, and I'm sure that you would have followed this. I'm sure this would be will be studied in years to come at journalism schools, Major? Well, uh, well, surely this is unparalleled. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I, I was reporter and correspondent in London uh, a long time ago. Uh, I never remember uh, this kind of case. I think it's unique. Um, so it definitely will be combed through with our journalist uh, students for sure. OK, we'll bring our panel in shortly, but just to, to these terms of reference and how you feel about those, if they are uh, what we want. The terms of reference are specific about reviewing the circumstances around the inappropriate editing of wire stories, but also the review would also look at the total editorial policy and, most importantly, practice as well. All that important? Yes, uh, definitely. And I think, you know, the practices are super important uh, because uh, the, uh, I think the, uh, we all know that newsrooms have been shrinking. Uh, there's less people there. The, 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 uh, there's less, perhaps, this moderation uh, going on in the newsrooms and also, you know, the editing. Of course, in this case, it was, uh, there was a sub-editor, but, you know, who's then moderating and looking after the sub-editor's work? And, you know, so we have to have those, those, yeah, those processes and those practices are um, in place. Okay, Nalini. Hi, Doctor. Thank you. Good to hear what you've just said. Um, look, for me, this is a significant story. I ha- I hold Radio New Zealand probably on the highest pedestal I put anywhere, any news um, company. And so this was quite a startling revelation for me. Looking at this, the scope and the terms of reference and, and, and just stepping back a little bit and looking at the fact that what is involved here is more than probably what is in the term of reference. There's legal, political employment, there's system issues, there public this is a publicly funded station, there there's 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 issues of personal agenda, their editorial capabilities. I'm just wondering with if when you put all of those in a in a basket, whether it should be an independent investigation, not one that the board of Radio New Zealand should hold. Well, it's it's that's a difficult question. I think you know um, the the speed is a factor here. It it has to be done quickly. It has to be transparently. It has to be done. Uh, um, uh, yeah, as I said, with the experts, um, uh, and uh, I think it's, uh, and of course, it has to be robust. It has to be, uh, you know, going uh, go, go for the details. But uh, I don't think that's uh, necessary. The independent here, I think it's you have this high level uh, three people there. I'm sure that they do the good job. I think in this case, the the quicker we get this done and more transparently we get it done the better in my mind i'm not the expert in in these cases in as such but but i think the the it is really important to get it done quite quickly all right jeremy we are living through uh, pretty un- oh sorry 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, in, and because, well, why the speed is uh, important, I think it is because we also in election, elections are coming. So I think we need to get the bottom to this quite quickly. Right. Yeah, that sort of ties in um, a little bit with what I was going to ask, which is, I mean, we're living in unprecedented times when it comes to trust in journalism, um, that mm-hmm. paper that mm-hmm. you co-authored. I mean, what does a story like this do to that? Well, you know, the, you know, this is, of course, worrying because of the trust. Uh, we know that the trust in news has been shrinking, and also in the radio case of the radio New Zealand has been shrinking. Uh, last year, it went down 14.5% uh, for Radio New Zealand. So uh, this is, of course, not adding to that trust, and the public has this, you know, already mm-hmm. is distrusting the mainstream media. Oh, I should not use that word, news media. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so it's but i think if this is the 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 inquiry to what was going on is done quickly transparently it's reported it's robust i think you know the long-term damage hopefully can be limited but it's it's of course it's not adding to it at the moment by the way just remind our uh Listeners, because that issue, I think that many listening to RNZ will, will, the leading will have precisely echoed their sentiments. You know, this is the place I do turn to um, because I do trust it, and this is the way. That's why this story is really so significant. Who are the most trusted channels of news right now in the country? Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, so, uh, this, uh, the last, or oh, this uh, last report we did in April this year, the, there were three most trusted, uh, uh, the news organizations in the first place. So they were Re- Radio New Zealand, uh, TV and State, and the Otago Daily Times, and they were shared first place. Uh, previous years, Radio New Zealand has been on the top. Uh, so this year it's already shifting that, you know, now it's sharing that uh, top position. But but because it is still the, among the most trusted uh, news brands, of course, this kind of scandal is uh, super uh, concerning. Nice to have you on the program. Uh, that's uh, Dr. Mia Mililati, the co-director uh, at the AUT Research Centre for Journalism and was one of the co-authors of the annual AUT Trust in journalism report. Very interesting comments there by uh, me. Uh, 26 past four. Brief response there, Nalini. Well, as I just wanted to say, I wasn't putting the credibility of those three uh, people in, in question. I'm simply saying this is very much about public perception and it has to deliver. Sure, yeah. Now, uh, to this, uh, mm. very interesting what sort of responses we get about what stories. Um, uh, should I say surprisingly, but interestingly, Many of you were interested in whether or not wallabies were good eating. I know I was. I'm fascinated. You I wanted, asked that question. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested. <laughs> you did a you great want, job. You wanted to know whether or not you could eat wallaby. Well, guess what? There's a gentleman in Whanganui who makes a wonderful wallaby stroganoff. And is with us now, Scotty. Kia ora. Enlighten us. A wallaby stroganoff. Tell us about the recipe. Um, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too fancy. I just took a beef stroganoff recipe off online and um, just, I just used wallaby and put it in a slow cooker. Um, yeah, made, added some sour cream to make it nice and creamy and lots of mushrooms, salt and cracked pepper. Um, yeah. 
That was good. And, and okay, basic question first: How does it taste? What does wallaby taste like? And please don't tell me it tastes like chicken. That's everything. <laughs> no, no, it tastes like wallaby. Right. <laughs> is it quite? Is it quite a gamey meat? Yeah, I would say it's, it's gamey. It's a very dark meat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it didn't have any particular flavour to me. Um, but of course, you know, I, I, from memory, I probably put a bit of beef stock in there as well to give it some flavour. Well, here's Liz and Kakanui, Scotty. They're great eating, a bit like hogget with a fine texture like veal. My husband used to shoot them in Waimate. Most of the carcasses are left where shot are used for dog tucker. It's such a waste of a lean, grass-fed meat. What do you make of that, Scotty? Yeah, I agree. Um, I shot them on my sister's farm down in that area. Uh, it was closer to Fairley, um, or probably closer to Pleasant Point, really, in between the two. Um, yeah, and, and there, there, was, there were a lot there. I don't, I don't like to see anything go to waste. I've, my kids have been raised on, on goat and venison. Um, yeah, we, we don't often buy meat, so... Good on you. Goat, venison, wallaby, nalini. Well, I was going to say, I was brought up on goat, and does it taste anything like goat? Yes, you know, goat curry. Um, They must be quite lean. They're they're obviously um, feral, wild, so they'd be quite lean, and they move very fast, so their muscles must be quite strong. So a lot of cooking, and casserole is probably the best way to cook it. Yeah, in, in the slow cooker, nice and mm. slow, lots, yep. of, lots of juices, and yep. um, it comes out nice and tender, tender enough, I think. Well, you have convinced me, uh, and I want to try it. And hopefully, uh, Scotty, there is an eatery uh, near where I live where one day I'll find a good wallaby stroganoff on the menu, huh? Sounds great. Good on you. That's Scotty and Huang Nui there, uh, who uh, makes a wonderful. Would you be in? Yeah, I think I would. I mean, kangaroos quite a popular meat yeah, um, in yeah. certain places. I'd, I'd certainly give it a go, absolutely. And you've just made me think. There's a place near me that does a fantastic goat curry. I think you've just decided what I'm having for dinner. <laughs> Thanks for that. You've got Very a few good. places in Auckland yeah. yeah. making yeah, good yeah, goat curry. Nice. Uh, now, um, also, quite a bit of feedback regarding prices. Um, I can't afford a weekly or fortnightly shop. Our household is literally shopping in bits and bobs under fifty dollars at a time because. We can't afford the large outlay of a big shop. I almost cried at the checkout the other day. I had to put the cheese and meat back for my growing family. It is horrible. Wonderful to have you company this afternoon. You're on the panel.